we're in our second week of our For You series, and really a theme that we're looking to carry through the uh, end of this year. Um, what are you for? Have you ever just thought about that? It, it, maybe there's somebody you can envision that is for something, and that's what inspires you about them. They're just so clear about what they're for. It's semantics a little bit, but if you think about uh, the people in the world around us, this world is very, very quick to communicate what they're against, to stand against something or be against. And, And yet, what if we could be a people that would go out that are clear about what we're for? What difference could that make in our neighborhoods, in our work environment, in the community? That's really what this series is about, and the emphasis that we want to clarify what we're for, really feeling a conviction coming into 2018 that that would be what we communicate about and and focus in on is is what we're for and the clarity revolving around that. It was intriguing to get an invite this week to go and do a Martin Luther King assembly at one of our local schools, and... uh, Uh, give a couple assemblies to uh, an 8th grade assembly and then a 6th and 7th grade assembly and was able to communicate this series. Ultimately, I took the big idea from each talk from last week, this week, and next week and formulated it into uh, an opportunity to share and challenge kids to be for one another and uh, because Martin Luther King Jr., shared all about that and he's got quotes like like this one if a man has not discovered something that he will die for he isn't fit to live really everything martin luther king jr says is is scripture and so uh it's kind of fun to go into a school and and share an inspirational talk that leaves them having conversations around biblical principles in fact i got an email later that day from one of the teachers saying it was incredible. You just really set the platform for us to be able to have a great dialogue all day around what we're for and who we can be for in our community that would make a difference. And another cool moment that happened in between the first assembly and the second assembly is one of the teachers approached me and said, hey, so talk to me about your church. I've uh, I've been invited, and, and specifically someone invited us to come because they think that our student would enjoy uh, the student life ministry there. Uh, can you share a little more about Open Life? All of a sudden, whoever invited this person to Open Life, we had an opportunity right there for them to sit through a talk live in their school, in their place of employment. If that's not us partnering together to impact somebody's life, man, I don't know. That was just a cool moment, right? How God could orchestrate something like that. Well, we're going to hone in again on this passage. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, which he is, who can ever be against us? God is for us then who could ever be against us? Romans, this this message from Romans is an encouragement. I mean, it's detailed. It's clear. It confirms within us God is for 
me, no matter where I come from, no matter what my background, but it's not just me. It's not just my challenges or hurdles or trials or what this week was like for me. Last week we talked about that, God is for you, but now it's God is for us. That's our big idea today. God is for us. Yeah, that means he's for you, he's for the person right to your left and your right and everyone else in the room. It sounds similar. It's because our brains actually interpret it the same. But it's more extended than God is for you. God is for us. This collective body of of us. If you look around at those in the room, there might be people you don't know their name. You don't know their story. You don't know their background and what they're struggling through this week. What they've had to face to make it here this morning. The challenges. I mean, really, that's what groups is about because it gives you that more intimate environment where you can have that dialogue and and share life one-on-one with one another. But in this environment, we too should care, right? Beyond our personal conviction that God is for for me, he, he really is for us and for us being for one another. So how do we extend this God is for you to God is for us? How do we live this out? How do we walk this out? And who is us? Like, who are we? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Our first thought, we're a church and a part of the church. We are a church and a part of the church. It's really interesting. When you choose to follow Jesus... You become a part of something way bigger than the 70 people in this room. Or 80 people, or however many are here. You know, you, you, you become a part of this group of people that are pursuing Jesus globally. And in fact, Scripture calls those your brothers and sisters. If you've crossed that line of faith and said, man, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Like, you have spiritual brothers and sisters all around the globe. So when a church that has 50 plus thousand people worshiping in it in China is blown up just yesterday, literally exploded and leveled to the ground by the government, those were your brothers and sisters. Their church didn't blow up as far as like growing, it blew up as far as like collapsing. That was their blood, sweat, and tears, right? But this is a community, a specific community, a church that's a part of the church. So when you come to a church and you decide to to follow the mission of that church, the unique gifting and wiring God has given it, and you serve with your time, talents, treasures, the mission of the church, you're a part of a church, We're just a church. There's lots of churches. Matthew 16 says it this way. Well, this is how it all began, really, the foundation of it. Verse 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter 
You ever just have your notes turn off? That happens when you have an iPad. Here we go. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That's, can you imagine the son of God looking you in the eyes? One of the most mistake-driven disciples of all the disciples. And you're told you're going to go from being named Blowing Reed, Simon, that's what Simon meant, to being called Peter, which means rock. And you're going to be the very foundational individual that the church will be built on. You're going to fail me still. You're going to continue to make mistakes. But you're going to go down a path that will lead to this thing called the church. That's Peter. And this word came into being of church. Now, interesting enough, eight years ago, when we were brainstorming, or nine years ago, uh, open life and what open life should look like, and we we're tr- sitting around a table and dreaming of uh, a church that would be able to impact the lives of those who've never been in church before, and we were uh, drawing up things. One of the things we didn't draw up when we officially named this thing called Open Life is we didn't call it Open Life Church. We just called it Open Life. And we did that because at the time we were like, so many people, you would talk to them about Jesus, and they wanted to have a conversation about faith, but when you would have a conversation about faith and invite them to church, what would they say? Oh, well, I'm not a church person, right? Really quick response, a really default response for people. And so we were like, well, let's call it open life, and, and when they say, yeah, I'm not a church person, we say, well, neither are we, but we do inv- uh, you know, have a relationship with Jesus. Come with me, you know, and so our little strategy, well, it was confusing, you know, it was a great attempt, right? So uh, since then, uh, we are, are not ashamed at all in using the name church, and we weren't then, we just wanted to help get them past the misconceptions, but it just confused them, so clarity is key, Right? So now it's open life. And in fact, our URL is openlife.church. It's no mystery. And what that allows us now to do, though, is open life. The misconceptions are torn down as to what kind of church we are by how we behave in community, how we love people, how we love all people, how we serve all people, how we share our lives with everyone, how we're very, very present and that has made this culture torn down because the initial question asked to this community before we started a church, what is the church doing in the community to governmental leaders at that day came with crickets. They didn't know. They looked at each other and had no clue what the church was doing in the community. And that wasn't right. That day has changed They would think of a lot of things, not just what Open Life is doing, what many other churches are doing to partner with schools, to partner with education, to partner with the needs of the community. And um, I'm grateful for the season we're in. And it's pretty incredible to be a part of the church, not just a church. 
Well, this week was the eighth birthday of Open Life. So happy birthday, Open Life. March or January 10th, 2010 is, was the first gathering that we had at the Regal Theater here in town. And so it's hard to imagine how far we've come in just eight years. The favor we've experienced in just eight years. The amount of people's lives we've been able to touch in just eight years. We can't wait to see what the future has in store and probably need to start planning year 10 celebration right about now, right? Two years out. But uh, we're pretty excited about that. But, but we're really excited about the investment we've been able to make in the community. And it's been because we've made some choices that go right along with what we're talking about today. It wasn't long into open life existing that we were approached by one church, that uh, a pastor that wanted us to join with them in standing up against our city. And I remember the check in my spirit when I heard that. I was like, well, what, what, what do you mean? Well, let's march against these laws and let's do this against. And really, really early on we knew, you know, that's, if you feel that that's what you're being called to do, that's amazing. We're not going to be there because we really feel like we're here to be for our city and for our leaders. And honestly, I think I could sit down with those people and have a conversation. Have you, have you tried that? You know, and, and that, that encouragement, we just could sense, you know, we're not, we haven't been and we won't be that church that is focused on what we're against, we're going to be that church that's focused on what we're for and shouting that from the rooftops. And when confronted, I don't know if you've ever watched some of your favorite preachers. I've got, you know, preachers I'm a fan of that I'll listen to podcasts for or follow them on Instagram. And sometimes they'll find themselves on like the Today Show dialoguing about their book. And it's really interesting how the first question often that they're asked is what they're against. Oh, so you stand against this, 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 and this, right? I remember when Carl Lentz was interviewed on, on The View. I don't know what he was expecting. <laughs> like if he was expecting positive environment. But uh, he's on The View, and he's, the first thing, they rattle off like five different things that he's against. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa. We going right there, huh? You know? And he just immediately said, well, I'll tell you what I'm for. And he just went into how they love all people. I hope that we're that, right? Because it, we can't help but the church. There are people in the bigger term church that don't stand for love. And that's just a reality we have to make it through. I know there's this tension in all of our minds. What about the people that in the, in the name of Jesus hold picket signs at funerals? Or what about those guys that are shouting hate at people standing up for an injustice? Or, or what about these guys? And yeah, there are those people out there, but honestly, are those really the people Jesus was referring to when he told Peter, you're going to build my church? We have to exemplify love so that they can see it's a better way, right? It's a better way. When Jesus said, my church, he was looking for that people who love all people, who serve all people, who would share their life with everyone, us. So it's been fun carrying that out in the community. Thought two, we are a community empowered by the Holy Spirit. Well, what, what is that? Well, Acts 1, it's interesting, some of Jesus' final words before he ascends into heaven, he said this, when the apostles were with Jesus, 
They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The first thing Jesus challenges his disciples to do, or the final thing he challenges them to do, is stay here and pray. Because you need more power than you have naturally to make the impact I want you to make in the world around you. The Holy Spirit in you, when you choose to give your life to Jesus and you've been indwelled with the Holy Spirit, he wanted to fan that into flame and give them the gift of the Holy Spirit to be filled with power to witness and share their faith in the world around them. And bam, they go from just being curious about Jesus to sharing his message everywhere, even in the face of turmoil and negativity. He didn't just point to Peter here, but did you hear the words in that? There's 500 people there, they assess. And he says, not just to you, he says, you will be my witness, says. He talked to the whole crowd. Interesting enough, in the course of, if you read the book of Acts, which is a record of the first church, and churches launched all over the place, and these disciples learning what it was to follow Jesus, not only if you're a Jew, but if you're a Gentile, you're no longer having to be born in a certain lineage, lineage to have a relationship with God. They, they were sharing the gospel around. You see that oftentimes they were in a place and the whole room would receive the Holy Spirit at once. Why? Us. Not just you. Faith is not just a you thing. It's an us thing. You can't separate the two. Everyone in the room. And Jesus taught that right before his ascension. When Paul writes about it in Acts, he says this in verse 19 of Ephesians 1. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is for far above any rule or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is the body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Through the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. Is that crazy to think? Like, Jesus died. Three days later, he rose from the dead, walked amongst us for a period of days before ascending into heaven and giving that teaching at the beginning of Acts. That same power, the Holy Spirit, is in you. Is that crazy? Why would we fear anything knowing that truth? When we make a decision to follow Jesus, bam, there is authority and power alive in us. Us. All of us who've made that decision to invite Jesus into our life. 
And if you've yet to make that decision, it's so close to you to just step into through faith. You become the church, the body of Christ. That's us. That's our responsibility. So what is that? Thought three, we are the body of Christ. We're literally his presence in the world around us. We are the body of Christ. Do you feel more Christ-like today than you did last week? That's God's goal for you and me. Is that we would be a more pure example of Jesus to those in our arena of influence this week. We'd be more pure example of Christ-likeness than we were the week before. What's changing in us to be more like Jesus? God's design is that we grow as followers of Jesus to be the very presence and the body of Jesus in community around us. And we go out in this like image. It's a great responsibility and it comes with not only the need for the power of the Holy Spirit in us, but we need the accountability of each other. That's why a church is important within the church. So that we have a relationship with one another and we can spur one another on to be more like Jesus in the community. The person to your left and your right matter. And do you know their story? Again, man, how can we figure this out? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says it this way. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. You're the body of Christ if you've made that decision to follow Jesus. We're one. So for the sake of today, we're not going to focus in on, well, am I a hand? Am I a foot? Am I a knee? You wouldn't want to be my left knee. Oh, man, took down lights on my house yesterday. Anyway, you know, are, are you the back? Are you the head? Are you the heart? Are you? That's not the point of this. The reality is that we're one body. The body of Christ. Which means to function, we have to care for every part. To function well, we have to care for everyone in this room. So how does this change the way you behave before or after service when you realize the person in the front left is important to the person in the back right? And the person in the back left is mission critical to the person right in the center. We're here for each other. It's like we're God's gift to one another even. Are we taking advantage of that? Are we taking that seriously? Are we understanding the importance of this relationship with one another factor? This changes the urgency of making sure we even have enough groups for all of us to develop a relationship with one another. Honestly. It should make for some specifically difficult roles at church when we really, really care for each other. Like, it should be tough to get people to do hospitality well because they care so much about those walking through the door, they almost mix the next people walking through the door, you know, or checking somebody in, they care so much for their life that, man, they forgot to check the next person in, right? Those should be a challenge. It should, we should be so drawn to understanding the needs of each other. Or how about we should be so short on opportunities for people to serve in kids' ministry 
that we have to fight away volunteers because we understand the vital aspect of helping raise each other's families, right? And pour Jesus into their life and love on them once a month. That's not a problem right now. We could always use more volunteers, right? So it's like, how do we raise that urgency of the us? I think we just, we open ourselves up to God speaking into our life. Here I am, Lord, just help me be aware of the needs of those to my left and my right. Because they matter. Superficial doesn't cut it anymore. I mean, we say we're genuine. We need to genuinely care for one another. When somebody needs meals, man, that sign up should be... Somebody needs prayer. Right? That's contagious. We'll talk about this next week. But that's contagious in community. Man, there's a people that love one another. What are we supposed to be known for, Jesus said? Our love. And they can see that in a group of people who understands the power of us. I think this is why it's so special to be a part of weddings and in funerals. And these are, you know, either really joyous occasions or really mournful, sad sad moments in people's lives but yet there's family and you discover a greater image of what us looks like in people's lives as a pastor that's one of the greatest honors or even going into a place of somebody's work and doing an assembly this week and and just seeing the impact somebody is making in the lives of others and seeing them serve students it's it's an honor i love it and I just hope we can see that like responsibility God has put on each of us. I'll end with this passage. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile or slave or free male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You're his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So our action point is really a question today. And the question is this, how important is the person next to you? How important is the person next to you? Because we need to improve ourselves so that we can improve others, right? That's, I'm growing my relationship with Jesus so we can grow our relationship with Jesus. We need to swap our understanding even of Sundays and go, wow, I, I need to not only be present for myself, I need to be present for us. Man, when we have a guest, don't we love it when somebody's like, welcome, 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 layers of love. Yes. Or when we invite somebody and then they meet somebody else in community that invites them and you're like, layers of impact. Awesome. Us. The power of us. It's really incredible. So are you as concerned about the person next to you as you are about your own life? That's the challenge God is putting in place today. Are you as concerned with the goals of the person next to you as you are yours? Are you as concerned with the hurts of the person next to you as you are yours? How important is the person next to you compared to you? 
How important are their guests? How important are their kids' experience in kids' life? How important is the first impression? How important is their being a part of a group? How important is their going home to a healthy environment? That's just kind of what we need to awaken our minds to. Us factor of church. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray first for a group that maybe you feel, this is my day, I am going to cross that line of faith and be a part of us. I want that help of the Holy Spirit to give me the power to go out and, and just really unapologetically share, I'm a part of a church that's a part of the church. No matter the baggage of that word, I love Jesus. I want to pray for you. Maybe today you just your, your mindset is going to be go from me to we. This is us. We're going to go out in this community as we talk about next week. We're going to love everyone. So, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you give us to come together every week and grow in our relationship with you. Not just personally, but collectively. And Lord, I pray for those that have been investigating Jesus and investigating faith over the course of however long it was. I know I sat there for six months investigating about the faith and inquiring of it before I personally made a decision to follow Jesus. Lord, if there's someone here today that is yet to make that decision, I pray that they would simply invite you into their life by, by praying this prayer. Jesus, I choose to follow you today. I invite you into my life. I want to be filled with your presence so I can go out and be clear about who you are to others that I can be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, I pray as well for the rest of those in the room, the us. Would you open our eyes to the opportunity we have to serve each other? The opportunities we have to grow in relationship with each other. The opportunities we have to help each other's families grow in relationship with you. That we would serve each other way beyond a Sunday environment. We would have the opportunity to do life with one another during the course of the week. I pray for groups this session. As they began in February, Lord, I pray that they would just have an intimate environment where people could actually get to know one another and truly, not at a superficial level, but on a genuine level, understand the needs and concerns that homes experience and that we can support one another while growing in relationship with you. That the people to our left and our right, the importance of them today from this moment forward would elevate. Give us a burden for each other. Lord, let us take up one another's needs and see life transformation through being a part of a church, which is a part of your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We would love to know what you experienced today. We put those connect cards in your worship guide. On the back side of those, you can share what Jesus is challenging you in your life. Or maybe it's on the digital connect card. You want to just share a prayer request or, or man, this is click the right button. We want to we help you grow in relationship and, and really become a part of us. So fill that out while the worship team is leading us and helping us reflect on what our next step is today.